Hello and welcome to this week's episode of This Property Life podcast with me, James D'Souza. This week's podcast is a little bit different to normal. It's a solo podcast. It's just going to be me discussing the Renters Reform Bill 2023. You might have seen or heard this in the news or media uh, recently. Um, and I'm just going to be kind of dissecting that, going through that. Um, it came out about two weeks ago, but we obviously had guests and things like that lined up. So we wanted to inform all our listeners about the potential changes coming into play in the private rental sector in the very near future. Um, this is obviously a, uh, a very information heavy uh, podcast. Um, so probably be slightly less entertaining than usual, but I hope you find it of use. Uh, thanks for listening. and welcome to this week's episode of This Property Life podcast with me, James D'Souza. We've got a slightly different format this week to our usual format. Um, it's going to be me solo and I'm going to be talking about the Renters Reform Bill 2023. Now, this was announced a couple of weeks ago, um, but we've obviously had some guests lined up. And we wanted the dust to settle a little bit before we started to touch on it because there was lots of hype, lots of news articles, lots of news stories. We didn't want to make any kind of snap decisions about our thoughts, uh, sort of the property wealth system uh, team's school of thought about what all this means. So now the dust has settled, we can start to have a look at obviously what those changes are, um, what's uh, and, and how that's really going to affect us and our, our property industry. So the Renters Reform Bill 2023, unless you've been hiding under a rock uh, or you're not particularly interested in property, so I don't really know why you're listening to this, um, you will have probably seen, heard or read some information about this. Um, it was first brought up in the 2019 uh, Conservative Manifesto, and their aim is to create a fairer rental sector, fairer for all. Um what they're trying to do here is balance that seesaw between the tenants and the landlords. So the general opinion is that landlords have all the control, all the power, um, and the tenants are typically very badly treated. Now, if you've uh, been on any training with myself, Caroline, uh, the property wealth system team, you will know that this is uh, not the case uh, for, for us and for our students. We uh, want to be fair as landlords. We want to give our tenants very good homes. However, not every single landlord in this country um, thinks this way. Lots of landlords are out there just to try and you know collect the paycheck that the rental uh, property gives them without really caring about the property itself or the person living in that property. Um, so off the initial uh, bat, it seems like this is going to be something that we at Property Wealth System are kind of happy to hear. It's going to be, it sounds like it should be good news because we believe that we already kind of balance that seesaw between the tenants and landlords. We want to make things fair for all. We want to be good landlords and, and have good tenants in our properties. Now, if you've read anything, if you've seen anything, and there are lots of, you know, we all know that bad news sells and big headlines are what the you know news companies want. Um, please remember that this is not yet law. This is just a bill. This is the the government, the current government have kind of drafted um, framework for what they would like the legislation to look at. But it does not mean that this is actually going to you know come into play exactly as we see right now. Um, so. 
it's an it is an indication of what will probably come in and it's certainly an indication of what this conservative government wants to happen and what their views are on the property in the private rental sector um so it's going to what's what's typically going to happen with with a bill like this it will be debated in the house of commons and the, all the politicians will have their say on it um before a new framework is is drawn up um and that will probably be called the renters reform act and it will then be signed off effectively by everyone and it will probably be coming into play i would say late next year so late 2024 just before the new general elections this is obviously something that the uh, conservative government wanted to get uh, installed during this this term which is why it was in their manifesto so we're probably looking at something coming into play towards the back end of next year at which point all the information um will be legally binding and we will have to abide by that so what has actually been going on inside this renters reform bill now one of the the, the kind of the key headline things that has been discussed <clears throat> pardon me uh, is that the rents can only be increased once per year um this must be a fair figure it must be in line with inflation it must be a justified increase um this is something that we should probably all be doing anyway um you know we shouldn't be increasing our rents unfairly um and we shouldn't be trying to overcharge our tenants because we want our tenants to be, you know, looking after the property. We want them to enjoy living in that home and not kind of resent us as a landlord. So, you know, we've, myself and my mum, who I invest with, we've never increased our rents, I would say, over and above inflation or, or put up rents that we don't feel are fair or reflect the the kind of the condition of the property and the the other, you know, the market rate in that area. So this isn't something that's going to kind of really um, hurt most people. Um, it can only be done once a year. So obviously with costs rising, things like, um, you know, interest rates, certainly if, if your interest rate has increased, that would be a justified reason to increase the cost of the rent past that cost onto the tenant. Again, as long as it's in line with market rents. Let's say this is a HMO, for example, and then all of a sudden you are hit with a energy bill increase. So let's say your, your utilities have increased. And again, this is something that, you know, if you're a HMO landlord, if you've got any uh, rentals where you're paying the bills, you might have felt this. It was a bit of a double whammy. You, you had interest rates increasing, you had energy bills increasing, and all of a sudden you're thinking, oh my God, where's my cash flow going? Um, and so if you've, let's just say, increase the rent to reflect an increase in the interest rate, you would then have to wait a whole year. So you couldn't then just say, oh, my costs have increased. It's costing me more for the utilities on this property. So I'm going to put your rent up again. You wouldn't be able to do that um, under the new rules. Um, if the tenant doesn't agree with the increase or thinks it's unfair or over and above um, what you should be putting up to, they can complain. And what will happen is that you will now be taken to what is going to be a new property ombudsman. Okay, so a new ombudsman service is going to be created um, and disputes there. So any, any disputes between the tenant and the landlord um, will be handled by this new property ombudsman. I don't, we don't know what that's going to look like. Um, we already know that there are 
ombudsman's out there and you know um for for fairness it's it's a it's a way of mediating basically between two parties that don't quite see eye to eye on something so this new ombudsman will be handling any disputes between the tenants and the landlords of the properties it will be paid for by the landlord so it's going to be effectively becoming out of our pockets as investors um and again, this is something that we just kind of factor into our, well, we're going to have to factor into our mo. Ideally, we don't want our landlords, uh, sorry, we don't want our tenants to be taking us to uh, the property owners. We want to be doing things fairly anyway. And if we can avoid it, excellent, fantastic news. But if we do have to go there for whatever reason, if the tenant has a gripe and they want to take us there, it's effectively going to be coming out of our pockets. They're also going to be there to um not just for rental increases any disputes there it's going to be uh about the disputes with regard to the condition and the quality of the property as well so again here heard plenty of uh, news about this in recent months landlords providing properties that are not in the best of conditions properties that are riddled with damp and causing the uh, the tenants health issues and things like this. Um, and if you read the the Renters Reform Bill white paper, this is sort of one of the, the the things that's mentioned. It's saying, you know, bad bad landlords' properties are costing the NHS millions of pounds a year because of defects that are causing health issues. So any potential health, uh, you know, any, any defects with that property, the tenant can now raise a concern straight to the ombudsman and again, we would have to go there with the uh, tenant and we would have to pay for this ombudsman service. Um, but it's it's there to stop a landlord saying, oh, you've got damp. Well, that's your problem. You fix it. Or I'm not going to be paying for that. It was in good condition when I gave it to you. Um, so there is something that's been in place, a, a kind of a charter. It's a it's called the Decent Home Standard. Um, <laughs> and as landlords, we should all be providing over and above decent homes. Um Mine and my mum's mantra is we only provide homes to our tenants that we would be happy to live in. So the standard, the condition, we might not necessarily want to live in that geographic location, but we want to be providing homes to people rather than just houses. It's not just a roof over their head. It's a place where they might be living for five, 10, 15 years. It's, it's a long, we, we look at our, especially our buy-to-lets as long-term, we look for long-term tenants because that reduces our void periods. Um, and that means the tenants actually care for that property and, and look after them. So we want to be providing it to them in a good condition, which is something that we do. And as if you've been trained by, as I said, myself or Caroline, you will be doing that as well. So this should be hurting us, you know, the property wealth system students, this is going to be hurting your kind of your slum landlords, your amateur landlords, people that um, maybe just have an old house, they've just rented it out, they don't really know what kind of condition it's in, they're not really managing it properly. Um, And if they've got a, a tenant that's got a bit of a gripe, because of the condition of the property, they can be taken to the property ombudsman and have to pay to put that, um, you know, they, they will effectively be told, well, this is your fault. You are providing a substandard property. It doesn't comply with a decent home standard. Therefore, you're going to have to pay to put it right. Now, this decent home standard is already in place. So this is already a um, a kind of a, a, 
a list of requirements, basically, um, that is in place in the social housing sector already. So we already know what kind of standard we're going to be needing to do our properties up to. Again, we go over and above um, what needs to be done because we want to be creating good homes. Um, now, this property ombudsman, the new property ombudsman that's going to be coming in, hopefully this will ease the burden on the court system because, you know, um, if there's a kind of a, a dispute and, a, and a, a tenant might be trying to take their landlord to court, this is kind of a step before that. If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. Hopefully, um, this will speed things up for when courts are needed for things like evictions, and we'll be coming on to evictions very shortly. Um, but hopefully, it will speed things up on that front, and it will be a um, you know, ombudsmen are, are typically very fair people, and they will go with side which, with ever side, is kind of in the right. They're very good at being impartial. Um, there will be fines, so you know, the, the government have kind of indicated that there will be fines of up to £25,000 for landlords that aren't getting their properties into good condition. So, you know, if you are not doing this property business correctly um, and you are not being um, a responsible landlord, it's going to end up costing you a lot of money in the long run. So it's quite good, really, that we've got some lead time on this because it means that we can start to... You know, if, if you are a bit afraid about the, the standard of your properties and you think that maybe um, your tenants will potentially have um, some some umbrage with the with the kind of quality of the properties that you're providing, you've got some time to be able to spread out, you know, over 12 months to be able to spread out the cost of repairs on some of these properties, get them into better condition and make sure that all your tenants are happy Um you know, if you haven't done this for a while, maybe it's a and, and you are already an, an, an investor, a landlord, it might be a good idea to check in with your letting agents if you use them or check in with the tenants directly to make sure they're happy with everything, to make sure that the condition of the property uh, properties are in good nick and that everyone is happy. So it might just be a good little sense check um, and gives you time to sort things out before there could be any financial penalties for you. Now, one of the big things that the Renters Reform Bill is tackling is Section 21. Um, now, Section 21, for those of you that don't know, is what we call non-fault evictions. So this is just where the landlord maybe simply wants their property back. Um, they say to the current tenant, sorry, it's my property. I want it back. You're going to be having to leave. You're not, you've not done anything wrong. I just want it back. And... Under the Renters Reform Bill, this is going to be abolished. 
Now, this is scaring a hell of a lot of landlords because they're a bit concerned about, well, what does this mean for my property? You know, if I've got a tenant in there and I want that property back, I'm not going to be able to do it. Well, we've got to remember this is non-fault eviction. So this is where the tenant is being a good tenant, paying their rent on time, looking after the property. It's those types of tenant that we're not going to be able to evict. And fundamentally, why would we want to evict a tenant that is paying their rent on time, looking after that property um, and being a good tenant? So again, as a as a professional landlord, this isn't something that concerns me. There are still going to be grounds under which you can be evicting tenants. So if your tenant is not paying the rent or if they are, if there is any antisocial behavior um, being carried out inside that property, so if they're playing loads and not if they're playing you know, music or any kind of criminal activity, you will still be able to evict your tenants. Um, so that's not gonna change. It's simply those um, non-fault evictions where the tenants have done nothing wrong. And you, you might be, thinking why would any why would anyone want to do this there have been plenty of occasions um where tenants have been kicked out of what is fundamentally their home simply because the landlord doesn't really like them or doesn't want them in there anymore or maybe wants to to move somebody else and wants to move a friend into that property um and it's quite unfair because that is a tenant's home fundamentally so i think this is a really good thing that's coming into play um now you will still be able to as i mentioned uh evict tenants that aren't paying their rent. So if your tenant has racked up two months worth of rent arrears and they've um you take you apply to take them to court to, to have them evicted and they're still two months in arrears when we get to court, um or more obviously, then you will still be able to evict that tenant. If they have been uh two months or more behind on the rent on three separate occasions, you will also be able to evict them as well so this isn't about giving tenants the ability to stay in a property without paying rent this is about making sure that good quality tenants are allowed to stay in their homes bad tenants that don't pay the rent will still be able to be evicted again this is this is something that's good um from our perspective we want to be able to evict bad bad tenants and and well ideally we don't want to have bad tenants so ultimately it's going to come back to your vetting uh, procedure and, and making sure that we're putting the right tenants into our properties. Now I'll touch on that a little bit later in our podcast as well, because it's going to be relevant for another kind of area of this renters reform bill that's come into play. Um, some of the other things that you might have seen with regards to the renters reform bill, the other um, areas that are um, being tackled by the government, there is going to be a ban on certain you know, on, on blanket statements by landlords. So for example, you will not be able to uh, advertise your property for rent. Well, you're, you're not allowed to advertise your property for rent at the moment and say no DSS, but you can't blanketly ignore DSS tenants anymore. Okay. So the, the thought process here is that it's fairness for all. So you can't say, we're not going to take on any tenants that have children, for example, that's going to be ignored. And the big one that's really coming out of this is pets. So with lockdown, um, you know, a distant memory now, you know, the mad rush to go and get a pet um, is leaving lots of tenants in a, in a sticky situation because maybe they, their previous landlord was happy with them having a pet, but then had to move out for whatever reason, or they're relocating and it's 
becoming increasingly difficult to find a landlord that is prepared to take on their pets. Um, I don't know the exact stat, but there is a huge proportion of the population that own pets. And there is actually a very small percentage of landlords that are willing to accept pets. So it's going to be, um, you know, for, for those people in that situation, it's a really, really tough situation to find a property that is suitable for them where the landlord will actually allow them to have pets as well. So what is happening here um, is that the landlord can't unreasonably refuse a request for pets. Um, if they do want to refuse that request for, for a pet, they must provide a written refusal within 28 days with a good reason. So for example, it might be the good reason might be you want to have a, you know, a family of German shepherds, but you live in a one bedroom flat. That is not suitable. Um, it might be a case of you want to take on, you know, two new cats, but you've already been in arrears, you know, of more than two months on two separate occasions in the last six, six months. That is a good reason because the additional cost of having that pet would potentially prohibit them from paying the rent. Um, it can't just be, no, I think a pet is going to damage the property. That is not going to be good reason. Now, what you're going to be able to obviously do is if you are as a landlord going to be taking on a tenant that is going to be having a pet, you can be increasing their deposit. Um, and there is talk that the uh, pets will need to have insurance as well. So you, you can stipulate that that uh, pet has, or the, or the owner has got insurance for the pet, which will then potentially cover any damage that they cause to the property. But as long as it's a suitable, and, and again, this is our school of thought on things at the moment, we don't want to be excluding anyone with pets, but we want to make sure that the pet or the type of pet is suitable for the property that we're providing. So we have on occasion said no to people having, you know, two or three large dogs in a little two up, two down house. Um, equally, I've, I've gone and viewed properties that have been for sale that have been tenanted where the landlord has uh, probably let the tenant have too many pets and the house stinks. It's not in good condition. The pets are kind of running amok. There's there's mess everywhere. Um, and that's not a nice condition for the pets to be living in either. So it's kind of about striking a balance, making sure that it's the suitable pet for the suitable property and the suitable tenants as well. Um, but it's there is going to be an end on landlords saying no pets. So without, they need, they're going to need to have good reason in order to do that. Um, so coming back to the... Um, kind of the eviction side of things, moving the tenants out. If you are a little bit concerned about, you know, being a landlord now and not being able to actually remove a tenant, um, you will still be able to do that. So you will be able to um, remove a tenant under certain grounds. And again, these need to be fair and reasonable. So for example, if you want to sell that property, you can give notice to the tenant to say, you're going to have to leave this property because I'm putting it up for sale. However, that notice period is going to be increased. It will be a longer period of notice. So it will be up to, um, it will go, it will increase to four months worth of notice if you're wanting to sell the property. Or if you as the landlord, let's say that was your previous home, you've moved away for work, you're moving back into that area, you need to live in that property again. If you want to move in or a close family member, 
I think is the is the words in the white paper want to move in. That's okay. But again, you need to give four months notice. Now, the government have tried to close some loopholes here because what they were concerned about is a landlord saying, yeah, yeah, you need to move out because I'm going to move back in, um, get rid of the tenant, and then just actually go and relet that property. So that property can't be relet for three months after you've evicted that tenant in order to try and close that loophole. Is that going to work completely? I'm not 100% sure. Um, we'll see how that actually pans out. And as I said, this is all up for debate still. There is nothing concrete that's going to be put into place from the renters reform bill. It's all going to be discussed. It's all going to be kind of sense checked. Um, and hopefully the government come up with a, a, a fair for both parties set of rules. Um, there is also uh, going to be a change to what we know as the AST for those of us in England, um, the assured shorthold tenancy. Now, the AST was brought in back in the 80s under the Housing Act, um, and it's been unchanged in the UK, in well, in England, sorry, uh, for quite a long time. In Up in Scotland, they've got something called a PRT. Now, um, it basically does the same thing. It's the contract between the tenant and the landlord. It says the tenant needs to look after that property as if it were their own home. They need to you know, pay the rent on time. They need to inform the landlord of any damage or any defects that property to stop them from worsening they need to okay just just manage that property pay the bills etc etc and from the landlord's perspective they the the ast says they're giving the tenant complete right to use that property as their own the landlord can't just barge in they will they need to provide a watertight um and, and safe home for that tenant and you know, as long as the tenant pays rent and the landlord needs to look after the property, et cetera, et cetera. That's what the AST is basically there for. As I said, it's been unchanged. Typically, well, the the AST has always been a minimum six-month period. Um, lots of landlords have gone above and beyond that and given a tenant a 12-month agreement. The renters' reform bill is planning to change that AST and what it what it fundamentally looks like. So instead of it being a six month um, starting tenancy, at least, so there's a minimum of a six month tenancy at the moment, we're going to move on to what's called a periodic tenancy from day one. Now, some of you might have already encountered a periodic tenancy. A periodic tenancy is when your, let's say your six month AST has kind of expired and it just becomes a rolling tenancy agreement. You say, look, I I'm, I'm quite happy for the for the tenant to be there as long as they want to. We're not going to give them a set term. When they want to leave, they'll give me notice. We've kind of, we've vetted that tenant. We've made sure that they're a good fit for that property. Um, and it gives the tenant, tenant a bit more kind of certainty. Now, obviously, as a landlord, you can end the periodic tenancy as things stand under Section 21 if if you wanted to, or under Section 8 if the, land, if the uh, tenant isn't paying their rent on time or isn't looking after the property. Um but we're going to be on periodic tenancies from day one. So what that means is the tenant will only need to give you two months notice to leave the property. So playing devil's advocate and the worst case scenario here is a under, you know, the new legislation when it comes into play, a tenant might move into your home and about three days after moving in, go, no, nah, I don't like this. I'm going to move out after two months and then hand their notice in straight away. Under the old rules, obviously, a six-month AST, they couldn't do that. They would, they'd have to be there for a minimum of six months. 
but they might be moving out in as little as two months now under the new rules. Now, lots of landlords, I guess, are going to be concerned that their rental properties are going to just be used as short-term accommodation for two, three, four months for less than a six-month period by those that need it. Um, and that is going to then leave them with an increase of voids and potentially more wear and tear. If someone's typically going to be in a property for a shorter period of time, they might not look after it as well as someone that plans on being there for a long time. So I can see the logic of why there are some landlords who are a little bit concerned about this. Um, however, it's all going to come back to your vetting procedure and, and what you do about managing the tenant. How do we vet that person? Um, whether you do that yourself or whether your letting agent does it, it's really important to remember that you need to be vetting your tenant very, very well, starting to not just obviously seeing bank statements and, and you know, having previous landlord referrals and things like this. Um, we want to be understanding. One of the things we already do is when, well, me personally, I don't vet the tenants. This is, we get our letting agents to do it. But one of the reasons, you know, when, when the potential prospective tenant is being um, spoken to about the property, we will make sure that the letting agent always says to the prospective tenant, why do you want to live here? Um, and if it's, you know, to be, I've always lived in the area, it's moved close to my family, la, 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 la. They're the kind of reasons we want to hear because it typically means we're going to get long-term tenants. And for our buy-to-let properties, we do typically have tenants that stay a minimum of two to three years, which is great for our cash flow because it means our voids are nice and low. Um, and a long-term tenant certainly makes me a happy landlord. So, you know, despite the ability for a tenant to be leaving, in as little as two months after they've moved into the property. As long as you're doing that vetting correctly and you have a chat with your letting agent to make sure that they're kind of, they understand your perspective on things, you can be incorporating into that vetting procedure how long you think they're going to be staying. Now, there's no exact science to this. They might say to move close to family, et cetera, but only want to be there for two months. Occasionally, we are going to get bitten and, and it's just something that we're going to need to live with. Um, but that's what the, ch the change to ASTs we're going to be seeing is. Um, a couple of other bits and bobs that are have been um, mooted in this renters reform bill. Um, there is talk that there is going to be a landlord database. So um, every single landlord in the country is to kind of have to register. Uh, this has already been in place in Scotland and in Wales for some time now. So it's no surprise whatsoever that this is coming into England. Um, I've got no problem with this. And I know my colleagues at Property Wealth System also don't have any um, you know, grievances with this as well. Um, I think the government might be doing it just to kind of get a grip as to how many landlords there are, what kind of portfolio they've got. Um, and it's just kind of like a, a, a unit of measure for them if they can kind of do a bit of a census about where the different landlords are and what properties they own, et cetera. It might also be there to help them um, catch any landlords out that aren't declaring any rental income um, as per clause 24. So that could potentially be part of their thinking about doing this. Um, not 100% sure. Obviously, it's not been said, but that is my two penny worth. I think this landlord database might be there to try and catch out some landlords that haven't been declaring um, some rental income for some time. Um, and there is talk about that the properties are going to be ne needing to be registered on a on a platform, on a portal. Again, we don't know exactly what that's looking like, um, but shouldn't really be too much bother um, to us as landlords. 
And there is also talk that there is going to be what's kind of known or being referred to as a lifetime deposit. So instead of a tenant having to uh, give an issue a deposit to the landlord of the property, then let's say, you know, two years later, they want to move on, move to a new property. They need to have saved effectively one month's rent worth uh, or one or, you know, depending on what the landlord actually requires. Maybe it's the month of the month of rent up front plus six weeks of deposit in order to not need to have to save the extra, you know, six weeks, eight weeks deposit, whatever it might be. They're kind of, you put your money into a, a government backed deposit scheme and it will just kind of follow you around. So it can be applied for property one and for property two, and it will just kind of transfer. So you don't need to save. So again, it's trying to make things fairer for tenants, easy, more easy for them to move if they want to, instead of feeling like they're trapped in a property. Um, so what do we think about all these changes, all these all these rules that have been outlined in the renters reform bill? Um, I think things are becoming fairer for good landlords and for good tenants, but things will become worse for bad landlords and for bad tenants. If your property is in substandard condition, you're going to get caught out pretty quickly. Um, if you're a tenant that is trying to skive and play the system and, and you know, not pay your rent on time and, um, you know, live in another landlord's property, basically, you know, rent free for as long as possible, you're going to get caught because the eviction process is going to be sped up for those types of people. Um, so if you're a good landlord or a good tenant, you should be welcoming this news. If you're a bad landlord or a bad tenant, you might needing to be, you know, sharpen up a little bit in, uh, in the next 18 months. Um, but obviously, new rules, new legislation always scares people always scares landlords and what my gut is telling me about all these new rules coming in is that many landlords are going to think oh my god more rules more legislation uh, you know potentially an increase in costs i don't want that and therefore i'm going to be selling um, and that to the trained investor creates a massive opportunity because it's going to mean you know we've we've been struggling with the amount of stock on the market in in recent years this might actually mean that there's a bit more stock on the market for us to be buying um and properties potentially in sub par condition um that don't meet the decent home standard that are coming up for sale which then means we can be hopefully buying them at a discount adding value to them and we can be utilizing the model that we teach at property wealth system you know even more so now and, and instead of relying on off-market deals like we have done for some time um, there might be deals more deals coming to us through landlords themselves directly or via letting agents as well um the other kind of side of things as well obviously if a landlord sells um and they want to sell on the open market that may be bought by another investor uh, like ourselves or, or or any of you guys listening it might also be purchased by an owner occupier um and if there are more owner occupiers kind of jumping on properties, that's going to mean, and, and landlords are selling, that's going to mean there are less rentals available. And that should be driving up rents because the supply, the stock of housing is going to be being reduced. So from a long-term perspective for us as landlords, what I think this might actually do, and it wasn't brought in and it, the, the idea wasn't to do this, but I think it might be driving up rents um, over the long term because it may very well mean there is a reduced amount of stock because so we're not building any any homes recently. Kind of the target for new builds 
properties has kind of been scrapped by the government anyway. So we're kind of in a position where we've got what we've got at the moment. Things are being built, but not at the pace we need. And if more landlords start selling and there's there's less um, different types of properties for tenants to choose from, they're going to effectively and ultimately have to pay more for that property um, than they would do now. So that is my take on the renters reform bill. Um, you know, overall, I think it's a good thing. I think any 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 change that is palatable, that is relatively logical and, and reasonable is good because we are adaptive as landlords and we train our students to be adaptive as landlords as well. Um, we're also, you know, we, we're not going to wait for things to happen. Now we know that there is, you know, new rules coming into place. We will start enacting them and, you know, acting on them and, and, and putting them into place a lot sooner than you actually have to, which means as and when this does become law, you're already in a good place. So again, making sure that, um, you know, our properties are up to good standards, making sure that we've got happy tenants in the properties. That's all the kind of stuff that you can be doing now before this um, actually becomes law. Make sure you're a good landlord. Uh, make sure your tenants are happy because ultimately you're providing them with a home. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of our take, as I said, on the, on the renters reform bill. So next week, you are going to be having a an interview. Um, there's going to be an, another interview. Caroline's going to be interviewing um, a chap called Ben Green. That's going to be coming out next week. We've got plenty more interviews in the pipeline as well. If you have enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please, or any episode of the podcast, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. If there is anything in particular that you want to be hearing on a future podcast, please let us know. Jump onto our Facebook community, Property Wealth System community, and let us know on the uh, on the page there what you'd like to be hearing more of. If you want to be featured as a guest, get in touch with us. If you're a investor yourself, if you are a property professional, if you've got a story that you want to share, um, and you feel that this property life uh, that this property life podcast is the platform to do that, please get in touch. Um, and you know we are a platform that is welcome to all. Um, that's all from me this week. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, episode. As I said, it's been more informational maybe than entertaining, um, but there's lots to be thinking about um, with this new renters reform bill. So hopefully that's given you a good idea about the changes that may be coming into play. Well, that will be coming into play in, in towards the end of next year. We don't know exactly what they'll look like, but we've got a good feel for it. Uh, thank you for listening and I'll see you next time. <laughs>